Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and Pond Two Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the Rolla Dock. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic Rolla Dock or the new Ultra Dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts, along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to HewittRad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt Docks, lifts, and pontoon legs. Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt. everybody. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound Podcast, the stories behind the stories. I'm Laura Shera, your host for today. And this podcast is going to be a fascinating one, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking about Minnesota and what it was like approximately 500 million years ago. I'm so excited to have Beverly Sandlin uh, joining us on the podcast today. And she is also known as the Fossil Lady. Beverly, welcome to the Minnesota Bound Podcast. Hello, hello. It's so excited to have you here. I was telling uh, Beverly right before we started recording that uh, when I filmed the Minnesota Bound segment about fossil hunting in southeastern Minnesota, that it is still today one of my favorite filming days I've had on Minnesota Bound, spending the afternoon with you and your friends fossil hunting in southeastern Minnesota. It was such a fun time. And I'm so glad you enjoyed yourself. Yes. Well, you know, I learned so much and I, and this is why I wanted to have you on the podcast because um, I don't think many people know or realize, or maybe they do, but they want to learn more is that Minnesota was under the ocean approximately, you know, anywhere from 440 million years ago to 500 million years ago. And I want you to share um, a, what that, you know, period of time was, like and and how how is that even possible okay well it's fascinating to me to realize that the continents are always shifting the land masses on earth are always shifting and the climate is constantly changing sometimes slowly sometimes fast but wrap your head around this 450 million years ago minnesota the landmass that is now called Minnesota was sitting on the equator of the earth, okay? And we were under a shallow sea of perhaps 100 feet. And the sea, it was a saltwater sea, may have even been red in color. I mean, that just blows my mind, okay? And then we had shoals and coastal areas. And this particular little part of southeastern Minnesota was very receptive to fossilizing the life that was in that sea. And what's really neat is that paleontologists can't find any proof of plant life in the sea. So they actually believe that animals evolved first. Really? That's interesting. So in, and you know, when approximately was did things start changing where all of a sudden, you know, it was no longer under the sea? Is that during the time where the dinosaurs went extinct? 
Well, no. As a matter of fact, we were under seas. And of course, you have the seas rise. You have them uh, fall, you know, just like right now. We're in a, um, a period of time when the sea is rising. Okay, 12,000 years ago, the sea was at an all-time low level. Okay, we had the, the land bridge uh, from Russia to Alaska. Okay, and people came over on that. The, uh, the coasts were actually even as much as 200 miles out. Great Britain wasn't an island. It was part of the European landmass. So you have things that can change fairly quickly. That was only 12,000 years ago. Okay. Wow. Christ was born 2,000 years ago. So uh, for about um, oh, 200, 200 million years ago, we stopped being underwater. And that's about the time animals came out on land and we have the Jurassic era. So the dinosaurs are about 100 million years, give or take, you know, uh, a time period for the Earth. You know what fascinates me is how when you find a fossil, you know, when they started doing research on the fossils found in southeastern Minnesota or whatever, like how did they come up with the timeline that it was 450 million years ago? I mean, you think about that time frame. How did how do they even know it was that many million years ago? That's just fascinating to me. Well, there's the radiocarbon dating and all this type of stuff. I'm not up on the specifics of it. The actual sure. paleontologists get into all of that, but they have ways of dating this stuff scientifically. And of course, there's controversy, you know, sure. uh, like, like every science, there's controversy. I can imagine. So, I, you know, you're known as the fossil lady and you have for many years given um, tours during the summer that you take people and families and kids out fossil hunting. And um, even when you arrive at, at your place to start the tour, your backyard is full of fun fossils to, you know, to look at and touch. And, and um, how did you get so passionate about fossils? Oh, wow. Um, my love of fossil hunting I think goes back to just loving being outside and loving nature. And uh, to be in the woods, by a creek, uh, to just immerse myself in nature. And I love animals and I love rock hunting. My mother used to take us out hunting what we called sparkly crick rock, you know, years ago up the dry washes of southeastern Minnesota. They're popular for rock gardens. It's Jersey quartz. Uh, but anyways, fossil hunting combines all of these, these passions. I'm hunting ancient animals that have been turned to stone, and they have a story to tell, which is about the planet and what life was like millions of years ago. And I'm walking in these beautiful forests along these streams, in these dry washes, and I'm hunting with my camera the stunning scenery and wildlife we currently enjoy, and also collecting and preserving these fossilized specimens of extinct creatures. Because if we don't collect them, they turn back into sand. So I'm able to experience all this beauty now and imagine, I love this, I sit down and I imagine walking on the bottom 
of this ancient sea and being in and among all of these extinct life forms, you know, cephalopods, you know, just cruising around me, trilobites walking across my feet. And it's just a trip, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a fossil hunter, there's always the possibility of finding a new species of extinct life and actually being able to contribute to science and be recognized in a book. Sure. And, you know, speaking of of fossils, let's chat a little bit about what type of fossils are most commonly found in in southeastern Minnesota. You know, when you're thinking of fossil hunting, a lot of people immediately think dinosaur bones. And that's, from what my knowledge, I don't believe we found any, or maybe we have, dinosaur bones in southeastern Minnesota. But a lot of, of course, um, sea creatures have been found. So um, when you're, you know, mentioning words like cephalopods and gastropods and, um, and is it trilobites? Is that what you said? (laughs) (laughs) Getting all these words correct, by the way, is also very challenging. I was telling, uh, mentioning to Beverly before we started, I was like, you know, I could completely hack one of these technical names and no one's going to know because they're all very complicated. But um, there's quite a few different types of sea creatures you can find in southeastern Minnesota. Do you want to kind of explain to our listeners some of the different types of fossils that are down there? Sure. And by the way, what's really fun, uh, if you enjoy language, the English language, and realizing that 30% of our language is Latin, is you learn a lot of Latin fossil hunting. And that's Mm. super educational because when kids go to take their SATs or ACTs, those basics, those Latin tidbits mean a lot, like gastropod. Okay, you mentioned gastropods, snails. Okay, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a, you know, gastro girl, gastropod girl, but think about gastro, okay, stomach, okay, Uh, gastro, you know, your gastrointestinal, okay? So, pod, podiatrist, okay? So, stomach and foot, gastropod, okay, is a snail. And uh, it's just fascinating learning some of these things. Cephalopod, ceph is head, pod is foot. So, a cephalopod is a squid, and its head is in its foot. Oh, you know, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of getting that? Yeah. And uh, trilo is three parts. So tri, three, you know, uh, it's a three-parted sea creature, you know. And uh, so we have all of these creatures. Oh, and this is cool. The perfect creature that has never gone extinct, okay? Tomato, tomato. Is it a crinoid or a crinoid? But... 500 million years ago, the crinoids sailed through our ocean right here in Minnesota. And in our oceans today, they are still sailing through. And we we name them feather stars, okay? And mm. you can go on YouTube and see pictures of them floating in the ocean. And people even keep them as pets. And they have not changed in 500 million years. Think about that. That's interesting. You know, I saw a fact, um, I follow a fun little science fact uh, Instagram page, and they were mentioning that, I didn't know this, that sharks are way older than dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. And that we still have sharks in our oceans today, of course. And I didn't know that. I didn't know sharks were that old. That's fascinating. 
Well, the Ordovician is before the age of jawed fish, okay? The sharks didn't come up until about 300 million years ago. And there's a huge question, in fact, whether or not Megalodon, the massive shark that that roamed the ocean uh, while the dinosaurs were around, is in fact not extinct, Okay. Really? And still roaming our oceans today. There have been sightings. I mean, it's just, I mean, we don't know 95% of the creatures that are in the ocean right now, you know, because of the depths that we can't even go to. That's so, so true. So it's pretty fascinating. Well, thanks for telling me that, Beverly. You know, I had a slight minor aversion to going swimming in the ocean, but now that you told me the megalodon might still be around, I... <laughs> Oh, yeah. I made it's it go up to my ankles now. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's one thing. It is fascinating about the ocean. I mean, the they are still finding creatures, you know, 3,000 feet down that are, they look like they're from space. And, you know, we had no idea that they existed. And um, it's still such an unknown territory. And that's what makes it so fascinating. Um, you know, and of course, uh, why we need to protect it too. But... Uh, the the ocean is is a ecosystem that fascinates me each time I I learn something new about it. But it's fun to you know be able to go to southeastern Minnesota for an afternoon. And when we went fossil hunting, I was surprised on how many fossils are around, and really how I can't say it's extremely easy if you don't know what you're looking for. So taking the tour with you, of course, is extremely beneficial because you're able to spot fossils much easier than probably if you're out there on your own, you may just think it's a rock. But once you start, you know, figuring out what to look for, you can find quite a few down there. Oh, yeah, that's what is absolutely amazing. But now think about this, okay? We have fossil fuels, right? You know, oil, gas, these are all fossil fuels, okay? But limestone itself is made up of the crushed up shells, the bodies of ancient sea creatures. So when you're driving on a gravel road, you are literally driving on a road of fossils. It's a fossil road. And the fossils are so prolific in this specific area, this county Fillmore County, which is just below Rochester, Minnesota, is like the most fossiliferous area in Minnesota, okay? And so we're literally driving on fossils nearly. You can go out in my driveway where there's, you know, gravel spread, and I have had people find trilobite pieces out in my driveway besides, you know, gastropods, etc. I mean, ground up. You can walk any any gravel road here and find fossils, okay? And I would say uh, one out of four rocks are fossilized. It's just a matter of with what. And we're always finding new species of fossils too. But beyond the fossils, we also have Ice Age fossils that we find coming. This is the Driftless area. Mm-hmm. We have 450 miles of creeks and streams and rivers with no lakes here, okay? And a lot of this blue, gray kind of mud along the shores, if you're kayaking here, 
is actually from the Ice Age. And Ice Age fossils are eroding out, you know. So you could find a, a giant buffalo skull or bones. Uh, and those are often, you know, misconstrued as being uh, dinosaur bones because they're so large. Mm-hmm. But the oxygen level was so high during the Ice Age uh, that the animals grew like a dire wolf that was four times the size of a normal wolf here, now, today. Wow. Okay. And everything was larger. Everything was larger back then. Plus, you can find Native American artifacts. You know, so it's not just the fossils from the ancient sea creatures years ago. You know, it's the, uh, you can find with the hotbed for mammoth teeth. You know, and really, really woolly mammoth only went extinct 4,000 years ago due to man hunting it. And, That's incredible. Uh, I, they keep saying they're going to bring one back. I'm, I'm waiting for that day. Oh, I think that'd be great. I kind of do too. I know we shouldn't be messing with stuff, stuff like that, but it would be kind of fun to see one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anytime really man gets their hand and like, that? yeah, I know when or they're still cloning things, it's probably never a good idea, but. It would be fun to see what one of those look like live. Yes. Well, think elephant with a lot of hair. Yeah, it's almost like a creature from Star Wars movie. Yes. Yes. You know, uh, and then the Native American artifacts that are all around here, because this area in particular was a hotbed for the Native Americans to come to, because although we don't have flint in North America, we have this one chemical signature off from flint we have chert which works exactly like flint which is they came here and actually dug in the ground and mined chert to create their stone age tools so cool which is kind of cool there are so many unique things down in southeastern minnesota to search for and of course the bluffs are so beautiful and it's one of my favorite parts of the state is there um specific you know we went to a few specific places but if people wanted to venture out fossil hunting on their own um are there certain parks that you recommend that you'd have some greater chance of finding fossils okay well first off there is a uh, rule in all state parks that you may not remove fossils rocks plants, anything like that. Okay. So mostly you either have to go on private land or you need to go like beside the road, the right of way. And down here, there's a lot of that, but really you have fossil hunting anywhere from the twin cities down and over mm, to about mid Minnesota. The thing is that it's like any hunting. Okay. Whether you're Deer hunting, turkey hunting, hunting trout or bass, or hunting mushroom, you need to know the habitat, right? Where is the most likely place to find it? So uh, for fossils, we want to know the rock formations. So for that, we go and uh, find the geologic maps, the bedrock maps of the state, and then go, oh, And the bedrock maps will even tell you which kind of fossils you are most likely to find if it's fossiliferous, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you go to, uh, I have a website called bluffcountryfossils.net, and I have a fossil adventure blog. And on that blog, I have a link to the Minnesota 
uh, bedrock formation uh, 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 maps for the state of Minnesota. So you can, that that's your first step, okay? And uh, actually, uh, on the fossilforum.com, which is the place to go if you're into fossils, they we have now organized uh, uh, bedrock formation maps around the world. So any place you go, you can find these formation maps, which will show you where the best places are to fossil hunt. You know? So cool. Uh, but from the cities on down, if you get your formation maps, you know, it'll kind of point you out. It's like not every place that has limestone, like none of Winona County has fossils, all that limestone, all that rock, right? Until you get into the southwestern portion, which is the Amish community. And I actually have a map there that shows you where to go, you know, and I sell little fossil maps for the area so that you don't have to waste a lot of gas and time. Oh, yes, there are 16 sites right around Forestville. And I can go to any of these sites and I'm assured of finding fossils if you can see them. And, you know, we did some fossil hunting on the side of a, a gravel road and um, with our group and we had kids along and, um, you know, we were using tools to crack open some rocks and kind of check them out to see what we were finding on the inside. So you do have to be a little resourceful um, when you're out searching for fossils. And that's part of the fun of, you know, cracking open a rock to see maybe what would be in it. Um, but are you still doing your your fossil hunting tours this summer? Are you starting those up? I'm sure with COVID and things, they were probably not doing that for a little while. But are you planning on doing any of that this summer? Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, all through COVID, because it was an outdoor activity. Awesome. And we were wearing masks and, you know, six six feet apart. But, uh, yeah, it was a, it's a great educational uh, thing to do with your family. And if uh, people were claustrophobic during, uh, during uh, COVID. So wonderful outdoor activity. And, yes, as a matter of fact, I think I have my first hunt coming up in the next week or so, because of course, spring, you know, freeze thaw, the most sure. fossils are coming out right now, you know, and any time after a good hard rain, okay? But uh, uh, right now is the best time of year to fossil hunt because they've been popping out of the rocks. And you don't always need a hammer, you know? I mean, I've walked along the side of a road and found foot-long cephalopods just laying there popped up, you know, after winter, you know, broke out of the rock and it's just laying there. Or yeah. gastropods, you know, like uh, the maclerites. I love those. They're my favorite. And they're the most common snail to find, you know. I remember uh, we found a few snail laying. fossils when we were out. Those are really cool. Yes. Yes, I really like them. And they're in all kinds of neat designs. So, so, yeah, yeah. I'm an escargot girl. <laughs> <laughs> the Shearer family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, 
and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. StarBank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that StarBank has to offer at StarBank.net. Hey, I'm really picky when it comes to my drinking water, and I have the reverse osmosis drinking water system from Connecticut, and I love it. It takes out contaminants in the water, it removes chlorine, and most important, it tastes great, which is the one thing I'm probably most picky on is how does my water taste. So having Kinetico also means that I use less plastic water bottles, which we all know is a definite bonus for our environment. For more information, visit Kinetico.com to find a dealer near you. You know, one of my favorite memories of the day fossil hunting with um, you and some of your fossil hunting enthusiasts is um, one lovely lady, and I'm not remembering her name right now, but she brought, she's a fossil hunting um, fanatic for dinosaur poo. Dinosaur poo, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Lori Gatch. Yeah, and what was her, remind me of her name again? Lori Gatch, uh, she even wrote the book, uh kid's book on, uh, on uh, yeah, fossil dew. And do you remember putting a piece to your tongue and how it was I, sticky? Of course I remember that, Beverly. How could I forget when she asked me if I would you know, test out dinosaur poo. And the reason she asked me to do that, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with fossil hunting, dinosaur poo, is that it sticks to your tongue if it is in fact real dinosaur poo versus a rock. So now let's keep in mind <laughs> that the dinosaur, dinosaur Yes, poo. fossilized. So keep in mind it is considered now a rock because it's millions of years old. So there's, you know, she... When I said, I'm, you're asking me to taste this, she's like, well, really, no, because it's a rock. There's no taste, but it will stick to your tongue. And it certainly did. It's fascinating. And I don't know what is in it still, if in that rock that makes it stick to your tongue and not fall off. Um, but that was a wonderful laugh and a great memory. And the fact that she wrote a kid's book, which is so brilliantly cute about dinosaur poo. Um, but that was, yeah, a very fun memory. Yeah, and I got some good laughs yeah. out of that one. <laughs> everybody <laughs> loves that one, you know, because it, I and you can't help but, you know, everybody's eyes just kind of go wide. It does stick. What is yes. that about? You and know, why does and it I stick to your tongue? Dino do? Yeah. What is in it that it makes it stick to your tongue? I have no idea. I only know that it does. It's so bizarre. It is so bizarre. And you you have to try it out for yourself, ladies and gentlemen, to believe it. But um, yeah, that was, you know, one of the fascinating facts of when you're fossil hunting. And, and I can see why it would be, you know, all of a sudden you're hunting for those because it's fun to show off to your friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, but we don't have any dino do around here. No. You know? Although, although in central Minnesota, some hadrosaur, the duck-billed dinosaurs, okay? Oh, sure. Uh, some hadrosaur digits uh, were found uh, several decades ago. 
uh, in most of Minnesota, the glaciers scoured off the Jurassic Age, but there were some dinosaur fidgets found in Minnesota. So it is possible. And you don't know. I mean, people walk over weird rocks all the time, and unless they take them in and ID them, you know, uh, they have no idea what they're walking over. You know what That's I mean? That's true. Have they found any real dinosaur bones in the state of Minnesota? Have, have they yep, ever found Yep, those hadrosaur digits. Okay. You know, digits being finger bones. Sure. You know, but just west of us in South Dakota, there are, I mean, you've got the Hell Creek Formation, which is where, you know, they're finding Tyrannosaurus rex. They're finding, you know, all these different dinosaurs besides the big mammoth uh, digs in uh, South Dakota, you know, the Ice Age fossils. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're not that far away from some great dino fossil hunting, you know, in the Dakotas, Montana, Wyoming. And there they even find them sitting on the ground, above the ground. And guess what? It's the fossil hunters who are finding the T-Rexes, etc. not the paleontologists, because the paleontologists are in their, you know, little offices writing papers to finance their jobs, you sure. know, but they're watching the fossil forum every single day to see what the fossil hunters are finding, you know, because the new species that are being found, the big finds are coming from the fossil hunters themselves. So it's like we're, we're the, the uh, active arm uh, going out there, you know, finding the stuff for the paleontologists. So we're working hand in hand with the paleontologists. Just so cool. And if you're interested in checking out the Fossil Forum, um, the website is thefossilforum.com. And um, you can tell right. it's, it's a very um, social and busy website where lots of people are posting questions and answers all, all over the country. On yes, well, all over the world. And wow. uh, they keep it a very uh, family-oriented site, mm -hmm. you know, very, very strict rules, you know, so that anyone from any nation can get on it and feel comfortable, you know, no bullying, no, uh, no off-color jokes, etc. You know, yeah, it's very scientific. And, and people are even posting the photos of some of the fossils that they're finding. And my goodness, are some of these incredible. Um, you know, here's, I don't even know what I'm looking at, some sort of ancient full fish fossil that was found in this rock, which is really cool. Um, so yes. I, yeah, highly recommend checking this out as far as, um, you know, A, it would be really helpful to know if you're going to go down to Southeastern Minnesota to look for cephalopods, what you're looking for. Visually, this will help, but also um, to see what else is out there. It kind of makes you um, inspired to get out there and start fossil hunting. Well, it's another form of vacationing. You know, if we look at ecotourism, uh, and uh, we look at enjoying the planet and experiencing the planet the way it is today. Uh, fossil hunting often grabs people, and it's so educational, and it's something you can take home, and it's something that, I mean, it just, it just increases your understanding of the world, 
if that makes any sense. And it's it all over the world and people do collections. And of course, down here in Southeast Minnesota, we have Mystery Cave and we also have Niagara Cave. Uh, Niagara has the best rock shop. Oh yeah, oh, they cool. have great fossils from around the world. You know, and I have my own rock shop here at Whispering Winds. And for me, I focus on uh, the giving you an educational experience, you know, first and foremost, you know, so that you're, you're learning about the fossils, you're learning what's going on. You know, I'm suitable for families. I generally do a, a three-hour hunt, you know, which is very fast-moving, you know. And, uh, I mean, three hours, and we start out, we actually do usually six sites in three hours. That's fast, you know. And uh, I go around the yard, get you oriented uh, to what you're going to be seeing and hunting. And then we go to a local park that uh, after the we do the fossil gardens, we drive over there, we do a creek hunt. Then uh, we do the dry wash, you know, where you were interviewing the geologist, em Emily, and, uh, and the spring that comes out of the side of the bluff. Then we do an abandoned quarry. And then everybody's favorite is the caveman cave, you know, sure. and uh, then shed shale. If we're finding a lot of stuff at that point, we're kind of like, you know, we slow down because, I mean, we've hit a batch last year on the very first hunt in April that I gave with Eagle Bluff Environmental Center. They're no longer uh, doing my hunts. But uh, anyways, we found this one gentleman from Wisconsin. He was an experienced fossil hunter, but he found a trilobite the size of your hand. Okay. Really? In the raw, it was a full trial by in the raw, that fossil, I was so envious, was worth <laughs> right around $2,000. Just really? in the raw. Yes. These fossils are actually worth money. If you go on eBay, et cetera, and different fossil sites, you can, I mean, you can easily make your gas money back just in the fossils you found, you know, wow. uh, if you are willing to sell them which most people, it's like, hey, this was an experience, you know. But uh, there are people who actually make a living hunting fossils down here. Well, that's Believe fascinating. Yeah, they have value, you know. And, uh, and so you never know what you're going to find. And especially the trilobites, they're always in demand. But this, this guy, I mean, I couldn't believe it. He picked it up. It, this, this trilobite was the size of your palm. Wow. It was that big, you know? Just give our listeners an idea of what a trilobite looks like. It, it almost looks like a, um, like a horseshoe crab. It looks like it kind of has like a round shell thing, but all these little kind of leggy fin things that are hanging off the side of it. Is that a good way to describe that? How would you describe that? Well, you know, for some trilobites, yes. Other trilobites, there are like, we have like 30 different species here. So they okay. come in lots of different forms. The only common denominator of a trilobite is it has three lobes. Okay. Oh, and sure. some of them have great antennae that go out. Some are elongated, you know. Uh, some of them look, do look like the horseshoe crab. But you know that you've encountered a 
critter. Oh, and by the way, they get so much bigger in Canada. If you go to like BC and the fossil fields up there, that an isotelis that gets maybe a foot here will be like two feet long there. Think about that. Whoa. Whoa. I would not have wanted to encounter one of those living. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Looks really scary. It's like like the cephalopods. If you sit down and if you sit down and think about being under a hundred feet of water and the cephalopod is coming at you and it could be like 16 feet long, just the shell. And then the tentacles are coming out. You know, it's like that was the major predator of the Ordovician. That's kind of scary. Yeah, you know? it would be very scary and yeah. fascinating at the same time. It's um, it is it is a wonderful place to use your imagination, and um, that's why you know I highly recommend Beverly's fossil hunting tour, um, especially for kids, and um, and really, I mean, if you have kids that are into any sort of dinosaurs, this is a wonderful, wonderful way to. Um, really bring that to life for for kids and adults, of course, uh, but to not only the education that you give on your tour, but at your house and where you start the tour, you have so many fossils right there for people to touch and feel and look at. And then to find some on your own is such a fun, fun day. Um, Yes, it is. Plus, I do dinosaur parties. You know, you got to love these little kids. Usually between five and nine, they're into dinosaurs. And uh, so I've had any number of dinosaur parties out here because I'm very reasonably priced. And the kids can go out fossil hunting, and then we have a campfire, and then mom brings a dinosaur cake, and I have a fossil sandbox filled with shark's teeth. What little boy doesn't love fossilized shark's teeth? You know, of course. And sometimes we'll wrap them up into uh, a necklace for them, you know. And, uh, yeah, we just have a good time. And I've got a couple of camping cottages here. And so if you camp here, I give you 20% off on uh, on a fossil hunt, you know, if you want to do that at the same time. So it's just a really relaxed atmosphere that's educational, too. And um, just And just very, very mellow. And you get to see... The Muscovy ducks, which you you have to understand, all birds are descended from the avian dinosaurs, right? Mm-hmm. But those darn Muscovy ducks, the way they walk, ah, they look like dinosaurs. You know, you can <laughs> see the hadrosaur in them. You know, think of a 1950s Godzilla movie, and that's how those ducks walk, you know? I love and, it. And it's just, I mean, you can just see the dinosaur right there. And some, by the way, some chickens are still born and ducks with tails and teeth. They don't live very long, you know. Really? They're still born with that dinosaur vestige, you know. It's kind of neat. That is interesting. And, you know, chickens, they they like to peck and eat pretty much anything. So that does not surprise me that they're close to the dinosaurs. I would believe they're like a... The Velociraptor. That's what they remind me of. <laughs> yep. Well, and you see it. You see it so clearly. Look into their eyes. I mean, they are just, they are living dinosaurs. You get a little bitty chick. I mean, it's really popular to have backyard chickens right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you basically got yourself a baby dinosaur. 
Okay. And they have absolutely proven, I mean, we've got fossils that show that many of the dinosaurs, you know, evolved feathers, you know, and that Mm. behavior is right there. So it's, it's, boy, you could just see the dino behavior, you know, what, what did a dinosaur taste like? I don't know. Chicken. (laughs) Think about it. Chicken. (laughs) Of course. Of course it did. (laughs) Or duck. Well, the well, I'm thinking the wild turkey. The wild turkey had to have been a descendant of a dinosaur because, you know, a tom turkey will chase you down, no problem. And that seems like oh, it's yeah. running like a T Rex. <laughs> oh yeah, coming right at you. Oh yeah, I've I've actually had some bourbon reds, and they were mean. And uh, boy, I turned my back on one one time, and he flew up and flew on my. Shoulders took me right down. He was a 40-pound bird. And he was slashing at my face with his beak, had his claws in my shoulders, and then was beating me with his wings. I mean, it's like, wow. I I felt lucky to get out of that encounter. (laughs) (laughs) They can be aggressive. You know, my my dad had wild turkeys as pets growing up. So when I was a small girl, and my sister will also um, back me on this, is that we were chased around the yard constantly by that tom turkey like running around terrified oh yeah um so we we've had our fair share of of turkey encounters uh, throughout our childhood but we survived and you know we still had more turkeys as wild turkeys as pets but (laughs) we learned to keep our distance let's say that yes well and some are more aggressive than others that's true. That's true. Well, Beverly, where can um, our listeners find you if they want to learn more about um, your tour or your, you know, you have a lot of great information on your website as well, re- just regards to fossil hunting in Minnesota. Well, my place, I call my place Whispering Winds. It has really good vibes here and very mellow. And uh, so if you look up Whispering Winds, Spring Valley, Minnesota, or you look up Bev Sandlin, Spring Valley, Minnesota, or Bluff Country Fossils, or just type in the Fossil Lady, Minnesota, you'll find me, you know. And then uh, do realize that I am not tied to a cell phone. And uh, that it's like, I check my computer, but I'm more of a Luddite, okay? I prefer not a lot of technology. And I enjoy being outside and doing things rather than being totally connected. So just leave me a message, you know, and uh, and considering, oh, and whatever you do, take a look at, go to YouTube, look up Mysteries of the Driftless. It's a 26-minute video. By all means, view it. Most of that was filmed within 75 miles of here. Some of it filmed within four miles of here, okay? So you'll get a feel for this driftless area that is so stunningly beautiful, okay? And where you'll be coming down to. And it is just, well, you said it yourself. It's a beautiful area of the country. And whether you're hunting fossils or you're hunting with your camera or maybe I have a trout stream on on my property, whether you're fishing or whether you're hunting turkey or deer, this is a just plain a gorgeous area to be in. It really is. Uh, thank you so much, Beverly, for joining us on the Minnesota Bound podcast. I Once again, I cannot recommend your tour enough to um, 
really anybody who wants to kind of get outside, use your imagination, explore, wonder what the world was like 500 million years ago. Um, you are definitely the person to take that tour and um, bring you kind of back in time. So I appreciate you enlightening us on all things fossils and um, ancient rocks from years ago and how unique our landscape is here in our state. So um, we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Well, thank you very much, Laura. I have very much enjoyed it. And you're welcome down here anytime. Thank you. I appreciate that. I Once again, it was one of my favorite, favorite days of filming Minnesota Bound all these years was um, fossil hunting with you and your group. And um, it, she was very right. It's a very fun, relaxed, enjoyable time um, outside. So we appreciate you doing all the great work that you're doing, getting others outside and to um, show them the world of fossil hunting. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you again, Beverly, and also thanks to our sponsors, Minnesota Propane, Hewitt Docks, Connecticut, and Star Bank. Last but not least, don't forget, introduce a kid to the great outdoors. Mm-hmm.